Welcome to What Had Happened Was, Season 4, Episode 8, Illadelph Half-Life Part 2. In this episode, we get the stories behind clones, for one. Certified, classic, underground, roots, legendary single. We also hear how the roots linked up with Common and how the Fujis pushed them to perfect their live show. Speaking of live shows, I'm going on tour very soon doing open mic eagle rap music. I'll be in Houston, Dallas, Brooklyn, Philly, D.C., Boston, Hamden, Connecticut, Miami, and Orlando, all starting about hey, a little, a little over, a little over a week. PeepMikeEagle.net for details. This is the Stony Island Audio Network, the home of hip-hop shows you can actually listen to. And with that, let's get into Season 4, Episode 8, Illadelph Half-Life, Part 2 of 3. Yes, there's one more Illadelph Half-Life episode after this one. Halfway through the podcast, Illadelph Half-Life. Pick up a flashlight, thick as a mag light on the last album, ripping the bagpipes. And this is the half-life, the grind like the lip of a half-pipe, and sharp like the tip of stalactites. They wasn't clones, though, they punching your nose bone. The roots roll tight like it's turbo and ozone. No toast price like them all on the roads, though. Blind the devil with the bold black and gold shine. Travel through the you and I verse with the calm sense. The bomb shit give us five stars for the content. Push up the lighter to contend with the darkness. This is what it happened was. Open mic, eagle, and quest love for the Illadelph half stories. This is the plug to have the roots. Got it all out the mud. One, two. This is your host, Open Mike Eagle. Season 4, what it happened was. This is part 3. Illadelph Half Life. We keep changing the theme. It's like the anime. Something dramatic happens. We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, Distro Kid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. Well, let me ask you this. Since y'all knew y'all were coming into this album with a different sound and y'all had had the experience already of coming out with a sound that alienated y'all's former audience, did you have any sort of like strategy on how to roll out this new sound 
Like, I know Clones was the first single, right? Yes. You know, and that's what leads me to the the, the beginning statement that I told you. Like, wow, it's, it's a wonder that we came out with this really cohesive, timeless art, artistic achievement when I probably spent more time trying to sabotage the record than serving the record. Now, if the brain I had now was, uh, if I were able to, to, to transport myself back to 95, 96 as I'm making this, rule number one would have been serve the song. And when you serve the song, you're going to serve the album. But for me, it was about my ego. Well, am I getting fired from my own group? Like every day I'm waking up in duress of, am I getting replaced? So let's skip to October. In October, I'm in my house. This is Million Man March weekend. So Malik is like, yo, blah, 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 barbershop. There's a bus that's going to go to D.C. It's $28. Da 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 da. Meet us down there. We'll go to Million Man March. So DC me and Malik, the were like three hours. Uh, two hours. Okay. And so we get to uh, blah 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 barber shop in South Philly at six in the morning, and there's no uh, bus. Okay. It's like ah oh, man, this is a scam. Like <laughs> so, I went home, and now it's like seven a.m. I get breakfast from the spot down the street, and I'm gonna watch the Million Man March on TV. You know, I fall asleep. Itis. I fall, <laughs> That's a long TV right, show, too. I, I fall asleep at like uh, like 8.30 in the morning. And, yo, I hear these six notes playing the thin walls that, that are like above me. And I keep hearing the key of F. Mm. And for the next 14 hours... All I hear above me is just. While I'm watching the Million Man March. Good evening from Washington, where the heart of the Capitol has been filled today with African-American men, a huge crowd, hundreds of thousands, young and old from all corners of the country. Finally, at 10 p.m., Kilo's like, yo, come up. And I'm like, okay. And he plays it for me, and he's playing it loud. First of all, let's talk about these ill capers and fly ass buttons that now caught vapors. Niggas run up on you with guns, snatch your papers. Outlaw body chalk is how they will scrape you from off the pavement. Now, inside, I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like, if there's ever the sound of just aggressive, you're gonna notice us motherfuckers, like, grab you by the lapel. This song is that. But then on the other side, it's like, I had nothing to do with this song. What the fuck am I? am a fraud. Well, here's the question, and yeah. then maybe you're going to get to this. The drum rolls that's in it. Was that already in it, or did you add that? It's already in it. Oh, shit, okay. So here's the deal. No, 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 but, okay, so I exaggerate. I exaggerated. I learned what triggering was. Now, even though that was a break, but Kilo also taught us how to take pre-existing samples. And this is way before Pro Tools. Um, well, no, it's, I mean, it's before, like, Reason and, you know, like, Fruity, like, post-Fruity Loop online kind of uh, beat making. So we could take a part of the song and trigger it that way. I mean, I could easily, because this is what I did with what they do, too. 
Like I could, we could have easily just played it by hand and been like, "Yeah, I played the drums." <laughs> so, but it was like, no, we got to do it specifically so it could be authentically us or whatever. And so, I knew, even though it was slightly off in his version, you're really sharp with your listening. Anytime when something is slightly off, you best believe I purposely went there to do that to remind people that human beings are here. You know what I'm saying? So yes. But I also did it, like, behind their back, so they're probably finding out right now, like, <laughs> seven hours into the mix, I went to Bob Power, like, hey, do me a favor. Um, I'm going to set this up real quick and trigger the snare part. So what I want to do is just slightly bring it back. And it's always, like, Rich's dad, you know, when that when the, um, I could tell in his head, it's like, would Rich approve of this or not? And, <laughs> you know, I got to be like, yeah, this is how I, we want to do it. This is how it's done. And so it's like, okay, and the assistant has to set up all these things or whatever. And it's I could have easily just did it with my hands and like delayed it. But it's like, all right, get the right snare and then and no one's documenting it. So it's like, you know, so yes, I triggered clones, but it's still the sounds of that break. I see. But to me, my ego wouldn't allow me to get kicked out of my own unit. Yeah. So, yeah, we did clones. The funny thing about clones, so there was, you know, when we did the uh, 12-inch cover. Okay, so in the tri-state area, there's a um, supermarket chain called Pathmark. And aisle 8 and aisle 9 are the no-frills part where it's like the local... Pathmark brand or whatever. Like, like generic. Mom, sort of. I want Captain Crunch. No, you can't have Crunch, Captain Crunch, but you have these no-frill Crunch. Yeah, Crunch Captain or whatever. Right, yeah. it's still the same thing, but it's like, you know. And um, so I just wanted to make the album cover reminiscent of the foods that we would buy, but I didn't realize that there was a live band that Ali Shaheed Muhammad was about to start working with called No Frills. You know, it's like between Sucker MCs and when did MCs go out of style? Like, eh, let's say like 2002. Okay. So, yeah, there's a whole period of hip hop where it's like, who, who's the proverbial, who's the pronoun you that we're singing about? Right. You know, it's just like, the default. Your style is yeah. da, 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 yeah. da, 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 right. So, these guys actually took it to heart. So, one of the first calls I ever got from a peer in the rap game is Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Get out of here. And, you know, he's calling like, Peacemaker, Priestbroker, like, hey, uh, do you guys have beef with no frills? And I'm thinking he's asking, like, am I making fun of people who can't afford uh, <laughs> Chef Boy RD so they're using the no frill thing? And I was like, no, I, I grew up on no frills. Like, I, I've used that product, you know, all my life. And he's like, huh? I said, you're asking, am I making fun of people that use no frills or whatever? And he's like, no. So it was like a whole who's on first confusing yeah. thing. <laughs> And three minutes into it, he's explaining to me that, no, I have a group that's a live band like y'all called No Frills and da-da-da-da-da. So there's a lot of reasons for him to think that it was intentional. Yeah, and I was like, ah, dog. Which is the worst answer for their ego was like, I I I never heard of (laughs) y'all. Which is the same answer we got from Nappy Roots. (laughs) Let me 
for real, like, y'all couldn't think of a more imaginative name? <laughs> Nappy Roots and Strictly Roots. And they were like, not for nothing, dog. We, we never heard of y'all. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, but it goes down that way. That's like, true. You could be in your bubble. So I'll say that, um, you know, clones just sounded too incredible for me to deny. But I instantly just started panicking, like, fuck, man. Like, I'm about to get ousted out of my own group. So I'll say that Section came, then Clones came. And then Kilo just started rolling them one by one. Concerto of a Desperado. Ooh, that's, that's hard. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's hard. And then I'm just seeing my little panic dreams just, like, melt away. So then I decided to switch. Like, Richard Pryor has this joke in which he um, is like, I joined whatever gang, like, whatever side was winning, that's the gang I joined. <laughs> I was in every gang. They had about five. I was in all of them. Whichever one was winning. This is my side. Because I wasn't fighting shit. So I was like, all right, well, Kilo's not helping my cause out because he's going out for self, trying to get some beats and so you can get more money. So let me get with, with Chaos, with Mel. So um, I'll say the beginning of the second quarter, uh, we took advantage of the one hip-hop peer that, I mean, people dug us, but not to the point where they're spending the night at our cribs and, you know, like kicking it with us. And that person was common. Oh, you and I verse at war. Right. Get on the mic talking about cars and clothes. Sounding like hoes. Ain't been exposed to the foes the most. Disciples, I'm from the state that is ill. The rap son of man rotated down the field. To say what I feel, get it off my birds. That's my word So I'll say that in the dead of winter, and this is uh we're now creeping into uh, like late 95, like around November, December. Common is starting to think about his future as well. Like, should I change my sound? He wants to move to New York. You know, I don't know what issues that he had with Dion during that time period in, in terms of like what they're going to do on the next album. Now, is this post one day at all makes sense? No, it's pre. Pre, okay. So he's coming to lay a verse on our thing, but I think he's also seeing... Because he came to those shows. You know what I mean? So it's almost like, okay, they have a future. Mm -hmm. They seem to have a, a future that doesn't require them to... I'll give you a good example. So do you remember... I don't know if you remember how jarring it felt when Mike Geronimo came out with Master IC. Check it out. And then a year later, he came out with this joint from Puffy sampling the Nona Hendrix. Yeah, 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 yeah
ask yourself, can you ball like me? It's nothing that an amateur could try to see. Even hosts with the most step carefully around me, abide by the rules, you know. Years later, I'm like, ooh, that song was classic. But I also remember like, ah, oh, damn, Master I see, really? And then you remember when Karis One did a song with Puffy? Yeah. Step into the world remix. <laughs> Like, I think Common was thinking, like, he was going to have to do that to survive. Yeah, and he didn't want to have to do that. Because he, the first, if you remember the first single on One Day It All Makes Sense, he had that in his pocket where it's like, yeah, you got to do something that's radio friendly that'll get on radio. Uh, whatever, it reminded me of Seth. So I think he was also just coming to Philly to sniff and see what's up. We were starting to build the myth of of it when we shot the Proceed 2 video with Roy Ayers. God, that video. That whole song is... Uh, that's that's probably my favorite Roots song, Proceed Mine 2. Mine too. The Roots! So when we shot that video, we shot it on top of the Tommy Boy vid- building. And um, it was freezing cold. So we would only come on the video rooftop when it was time to shoot. Uh, but we would just hang inside the offices of Tommy Boy. And I saw these four girls, like, plastered on the wall like a poster. And I was like, well, who's that? And they're like, oh, that's, you, you know, Jay Swift from the far side. That's his new group called... Um, the Jazzy Fat Nasties. Someone played me their demo, and it was the most... When I tell you... I, like, I don't know if... Because you told me you came so late to hip-hop. To hear... Bizarre Ride to the Far Side in 1992 was one of the most mind-blowing experiences. Like, wait, someone is zanier than De La Soul? They're from California, but they have fun, and they're crazy, and they're humorous, and they can rhyme good, and they have, like, live, and, like, they just open up a whole nother world. It's as if someone put in vogue in a time machine 10 years earlier and made the same type of record. Like, their debut album, which never came out. And one of my biggest regrets in my career. Like, yes, I know we brought the Jazzies to our stable. I mean, Mercedes married Rich. And, you know, they are sort of the the staple of the whole Black Lily jam session myth that spawned off all these record deals and groups or whatever. But I wish the world heard the seven songs that I heard. Jay Swift was breaking every rule almost in a way that Dilla was. The way that I stopped in my tracks when I first heard a Dilla track 
like he was taking well-known break beats and flipping them in ways that I never knew you could do so. And, you know, they did one song. It, do you remember Skip to My Loop by De La Soul where they yeah. put on, uh, I really should go, the Christmas song. Dun, 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 and like the record skipping. Yeah. Hello. You have now stopped on the third floor. Three feet high and rising. And now, skip to my loop. Skip to my loop. Skip to my loop. Skip to my loop. Like, they were singing, like, skip records and, like, just breaking rules that a, an R&B group I never knew could do. So it's like, I want them on my team. So instantly, I reached out to Dawn of the Jazzies and you know, back and forward and whatnot, and we flew them in on our budget. And once they came to Philly, they just never left the crib. They started living in my house. So Common smelt like a scene, a movement, yeah. a brewing, and he wanted part of it. He wasn't, you know, he was like an orphan without yeah. a crew. And, and he wanted like to move to New York. Post-native, kind of right exactly. before, right before Paz comes out saying it's reinstated. Right, you know? exactly. But he was there for that too. Yeah. He, he was on the side of which team was winning. <laughs> a meteor has more right than my people who be wasting time screaming who they've hated. Word. That's why the native tongues has officially been reinstated. So, um, Chaos would take, again, Roots, jams or whatever to Kamal's Roads and all that stuff. So that's where You and I Verse came into play. That's where Episodes came into play. Mind you also, yes, 20 songs are on Illadelph Half-Life, but we are a 500-song recording unit. Sketches. Per album? I mean, dog, we, we can knock out 10 joints. Like, I'll put it this way. In, in our Tonight Show database, of what what I call sandwiches, I, th I think we're we're up to about easily nine thousand songs. Like literally, it's here. I'll see. So why do y'all even make new ones? <laughs> like, just to give you like one, two, three. Mm. One, That's one song. Two, three, this is one song. Another song. Like one, literally, just. Two, new ideas. And you hear me as a coach, like, yeah. cursing motherfuckers out. So, yeah, it's, I think the rule, general rule is, like, never go past 15 minutes. And it's bare element, unmixed all stuff. If it's something there, then it's like, take right, it stop. And refine it. Move on, and then I'll go back to, and then we could perfect it and make it into a song. So, that was second quarter. Third quarter, a, a very interesting tale. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but. So, Philadelphia had one of the biggest snowstorms matter of fact the east coast had a major 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 snowstorm like drowning in snow like death like either freezing or drowning in snow level damn near 27 inches like three to four feet and, we, and this is winter 95 still. yes okay. locked in this is the top this is the top of 96 this is all i remember so there's two legendary rappers in philadelphia steady b And cool C. I got a habit. It's like a disease. It pertains to questionable seeds when I'm 
and the legend of these rappers is that times were getting hard and they had to resort to a life of crime. So they decided that they are going to rob a bank. So this is what happens. They, I believe they robbed that bank on a Thursday. All three went their separate ways. I believe that Steady B got caught first by day two. And I believe he dropped a dime on Cool C's location. Cool C and Steady B like kind of dimed each other out, separate rooms, all that stuff. So there was a third dude. And his name, this is a very Philly name, next to Meek Mill. Philly has very unique uh, <laughs> monikers. His name was Snook Nooker. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Snook Nooker. And this is all I remember. It was one in the morning, and we had a decision to make. The engineer's like, guys, I think a really big snowstorm is going to come. So can we put this on ice and, you know, go back home and then come back? Or, you know, and it was like sort of a passive-aggressive hint thing. Like, you know, can we get home? Or I said, or stay here all night and work on stuff. Because the thing is, is that I got to put some numbers on the board, man. Yeah, you got All it. I got is panic. Okay, at this point, all you got is panic still. I mean, I'm, I don't count you and I versed in episodes. Because that's chaos starting it, and you kind of add Yeah, like, on. they just take my stuff and, oh, let me hear. Oh, nice, guys. Like, that right. sort of thing. Okay. And it's just, you know, am I serving the album, serving the song, or serving my ego? And so I was like, yo, man, like, Rozelle's here, like, Let's stay. And, you know, the engineer was like, hey, I'm I'm here for you guys. Like, you know, the check's good. So if we wanted to stay here, and that's what we did. We stayed in snowed. So at the moment we made that decision, Malik in classic Malik form shows up at, like, 2 in the morning, like, just to see, like, who's still at the studio. And, you know, I was just about to set up a, a, um, a mic for Razel to, you know, do some stuff and figure out whatever and we wind up working on No Great Pretender the only thing that I remember about the session is that Malik had uh, a friend of his like drive him down to the studio and all I remember was, like, the friend had one of them, like, four X hoodies on. Like, he's a small dude, but he had, like, a, a hoodie that almost, All like, covered up. his whole, like, chin so you couldn't see it. And this is, like, pre-Kanye, like, whatever. <laughs> like, let me see your face, dog. And it was just, like, a figure of, like, someone just sitting on the couch with his face covered. And I didn't know who it was. And, you know, Malik's whole thing was, like, yo, let me hear what y'all got or whatever. And we put the thing up. And he's like, all right, I got something. I got something. He's like, all right, put, and I was like, wait, Malik, like you, this is not ready yet. He said, no, no, this is good. I was like, I didn't even put drums on it. He said, no, it sounds good like this. So literally, all I know is that when we get to the end, so he shouts out Snook Nooker. And the next day, 
I don't know if it was Tariq or Dice. He was like, wait, did he just shout out Snook Nooker? And I was like, yeah, Malik and his boy was, you know, was sitting in the lobby or whatever. And they were like, yo, man, Snook Nooker was the third person. And some shit. He was the getaway driver. So cut to now it's like 17, it's, it's, it's damn near like two to three feet of snow out on the ground. Snow on the ground. And like Snook almost got away because like the, the snow prevented the cops from really like, you know, actively chasing somebody. And I don't know how he wound up getting caught, but like dude was literally like chilling with us for like 20 to That's 30 crazy. hours. Did y'all end I, up getting questioned and all that shit too? Nah, not even. <laughs> it was just like, man, like why would you bring... And he was like, I, I, I know what happened. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was just like a classic what had happened was sort of situation. So, and again, it's like, great. Now I got no great pretender, but I'm still not and on he did my that damn whole album. song, right? Huh? It's just Malik on that song, right? Yeah, he's Malik is the, like pretty much after this point, Ma classic Malik is showing up at the studio at four in the morning. And, you know, maybe the assistant's there cleaning up. And he's just like, what, 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 what they got on the reels? Like, put a reel up, and then he'll just rhyme to it. And I'll come here the next day, like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, one of the things "Fall Apart" songs was for Erica and her uh, then rhyming partner Free. You remember when Erica and her cousin Free were like a group? That I don't know. Right before she was Erica Badu, it was like going to be her and Free, and like then somewhere Kadara sort of whittled it down, like. It's just her. And, you know, but again, like Malik rhymed on one of the table content songs that I meant for Erica, but that's classic Malik. Sweep your sack to leave it, you niggas for stool pigeons. My religion is the way your life, but the trife replays. Cause niggas acting shice these days. Wage a war, use the dynamics, cause I'm a slam it. You talking all this out out your mouth, you say Tanic. Roam the planet, always taking bullshit for granted. Just a cool. Once we got that that out the way, I'll say that that's third quarter. And so now you got just you got you said just panic and no great pretending. Yeah, just I mean just to me like something yeah, I but created. I, but I'm I'm I don't you know from the outside in you just there's no there's no real understanding the of, of the division of labor or production inside the roots, especially because we knew y'all as a live band, so the whole thing was we we didn't know who did what. Ever. Right. But it, it, for me, it was just like, I think at my time, I was like, yo, I want to be, when you're talking about the greats, when you're talking about this new renaissance, when you're talking about Pete Rock, when you're talking about Primo and Q-Tip and Shy, like that, it was that era. And I was like, I want to get some numbers on the board. Like, I, I want to make beats. You know, I met Dilla doing Do You Want More? So he's changing my life every day with every he was, cassette. He was I doing get. with Far Side stuff then? Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, you know, he's working on the Far Side stuff and all that stuff. So that stuff's just coming out now. And I'm trying to get some numbers. And all I have is I'm on defense. I'm now fighting to keep, to stay in the game, you know, to not get benched and I own the team, like that sort of thing. So it was, it was kind of like an ego mindfuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I'll say that once the snow subsided, 
I remember uh, figuring, okay, let, let me go back to the chaos way of doing things. So I remember me, Chaos, Kamal, at the time, Fatine, who is a daddy Kendrick of Kendrick, the family soul. He also went to Kappa with Tariq and I. Um, at this point, Fatine was like our merch guy. But he sang, and, you know, the whole point was like to get him figured, you know, figure out like a role for him to start singing and stuff. He wrote some stuff for like Belle DeVoe's second album. The same with Kilo, like the same team. Um, so I remember um, right after No Great Pretender, we knocked out No Alibi. And that was you? You and Chaos? Chaos, me, come on. Because that song has, because earlier you talked about you being good at textures. Mm -hmm. There's a humming in the midst of that song. So that's, all, okay, so that's all the Jazzy Fat Nasties okay. and Fatine of Daddy Kendrick. Again, we're not, it's not like Do You Want More where let's get in a room together and let's play. It's now competitive. Like, mm -mm, I'm going to come in alone and I'm going to conduct my own sessions, but I'm not that well-versed on bass or keyboard, so it's like I got to use whatever tricks I got. Like wow. Voices. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's pretty much where it comes from. So I'll say that um, that got knocked out, and then we had to put the album on ice because Carol Lewis called us up and said, hey, good news, guys. We're going to do our first summer in America. And I got the lineup. Goody Mob, the Fugees, oh, and here, the Roots. Here it go. Here it go. So this is February. And the Fugees would be headlining, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Well, right at that we time. were co-headlining because the score didn't come out yet. Got you. But you knew what was coming. Like, Fuji La just come out. We used to be number 10. Now we permanent in one in the battle. Lost my finger. Mike became my arm. Pistolized with and it's like it was almost like you know animals can hear a a, a, a storm first before <laughs> so i was like that damn salam remy man gave him yeah. another banger ah, super banger and yeah. she's singing and and ah. she's killing the verse yeah it was yeah and it i was, was just like video was hard yeah So I sensing this and I, you know, I said this before on my own podcast, like if there's one lesson I learned in life and really, I, it's not like I'm trying to pass off sage wisdom or whatever. I really learned it on social media. Like before you retweet something, you know, look at, look at your news source and make sure that you got it right. So again, yet another Jack the Rapper, yet another industry thing that we can't go to. Because Geffen don't, don't know about her or believe in it. We had done, um, ironically, a, an Atlanta uh, homecoming show with the Far Side and the Fugees. And I will say that the Fugees were doing 
the blunted on reality version of their show. Make some noise if you want to see. We're going to set this off like this. Which they didn't realize their full potential. So they were using a DJ. No, no, they were they were a band. Okay. Um, but I mean, it was more me five me ish. Uh huh. It was more. It was Arrested Development ish. I will say that where we excelled, and shout out to John Schechter of the of the Source, because even we were about to stray from the formula, and Schechter remembering the roots from South Street busking. He says, yo, he's like, not for nothing, but now, mind you, I'm listening to him all ears because he's still Dr. Mike's. Yeah, he's, you know, he's still heavy at the source. He's yeah. still John Schechter of the source. So whatever he says, you're like, take into account. And he's like, yo, yo, you guys, you guys are good and good, but look, you're getting a little too abstract with like all the jazz soloing and all that stuff because we wanted to show we're real musicians and all that stuff. <laughs> But you got to remember, like, your audience is hip-hop heads. So you remember how y'all used to do on South Street when, like, for a bar, y'all would go into, like, bugging out by Tribe or start doing scenario, remix, and all that stuff? He's like, incorporate that into your show. So thus, we started coming up with what we called Hip-Hop 101. And that suddenly became, and again, it's the novelty of it. The novelty of some band members, like, playing shit that you know, something familiar, and that just, that literally was like the men in black flashy thing. It made the entire audience forget everything. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you will, look right here. And it was at the end of our show. So even if we had, you know, a questionable show where like the sound wasn't working or, you know, something weird happened, the last 25 minutes of our show was so goddamn flawless that it just made you think that that was the show that's when i realized the most important as a guy who curates shows people are going to remember how you came out so the first 10 minutes and even if you have a shitty show if the last 20 minutes are like the narrative will be yo that was the greatest show yeah right and we had some great shows some questionable shows some mediocre shows some dope shows but that was always the perception that was yo the roots kill it live every time so we did a show with them, and this is all I remember. You know, we, we had a, a friendly kinship going on, and we, Lauren was at the side of the stage, and we asked her, like, come kick something. And she came on stage, started kicking some shit with Tariq. They was going mm. back and forth. And I remember my manager being at the soundboard, and he was like, yo, man, Proswell was beside himself. Like, no! Like, like, Again, it's it's this is not told maliciously. It's it's healthy yeah, competition. For sure. And all I remember was there was a, a person there who uh were mutual employees of both groups, like a, a tech person or whatever, but he was like our boy. And all I remember was he's like, yo, man, 
He's like, that food, that show had an effect on them. Mm. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is about? the Atlanta show? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, that show had an effect on them. I'm like, what you talking about? He's like, yo, man. He's like, you know they doing hip-hop one-on-one live, too. Whoa. And I said, what? And he's like, yeah, man. And they got, you know, plus they got a DJ. So when they play on top of the DJ, it makes the audience think like, yo, they really are playing the bridges over. The waxy residue on your rhyme style is ridiculous. If you're misogynist, then you probably cannot get with this. If you sip with this, we'll leave no witnesses. Uh. See, nobody can touch what y'all bless. And I mean this. What? So I'll be like Osiris. It's it's little tricks that, you know, whatever, like, and all I remember was I heard someone say, yep, and I think one of them said, like, and if y'all see anyone else doing this, remember, like, you heard it here first. <laughs> now, in this age, I verify anything. I, I question the source. I question... You know, all that before I take it to heart and do an action. Now, at that time. But I wasn't doing that at 25. Yeah. So automatically. And already you were in a kind of stressed out state anyway. Right. Very stressed out, very competitive. Yeah. And so instantly I'm like, oh, word. That's how you want to come? Really? You want to come? Okay. I got something for y'all ass. So we, I said, yo, no more studio stuff. We got to work on our live show. And I was just like, I don't care what, we got to make sure, like, we never rehearsed. But I was like, yo, we are going to come for blood. Like, we're going to kill the show. And this is the first time where, like, what was formerly our, you know, unstoppable Bulletproof Root show from 93 to 96, threw that out the window. And we came with a 2.0, all hip-hop. Now, like, the third verse, we have, like, a... Bucktown reference from Smith & Wesson. So now we're like flipping songs and remixing them and whatever the song of the moment is, like we're just flipping Working and switching. Mm -hmm. Not just for Hip Hop 101. Now the whole show is a hip hop tribute. And like we, we were out for blood. And so we did, we did that tour for like three months. And, you know, in, in light of, so obviously, um, as of this taping, we just did uh, the Roots Picnic, and Miss Lauren Hill was the headliner. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. I'm gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not. And it was a stressful moment because, I mean, anything that we take on is stressful. Um, she calls us up like three days before, and I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. Are we about to have a what it happened was moment? <laughs> like, niggas have lunch and whatnot. <laughs> I don't know what happened to you. Kill the tape. Yo, what the fuck is my tape, man? Yo, Sean, I got that piece, huh? Yo, niggas came over to have 40s and blunts, kid. The shit just came Come on, out man. I don't got nothing to do with my shit, man. She was like, you know, because of prizes, 
uh, legal. situation, yeah. legal situation in which, you know, he's going to have to serve decades in federal prison. Um, I guess a part of her felt like sentimental, like this is going to be one of the last shows I do, you know, if he serves all of his time, like he'll be 70 when he gets out. So basically the last Fuji show ever, at least of wow. this incarnation, you know what I mean? So being in the audience and watching that moment, like it just instantly, and even for her, like I know even with the Talib Kweli song about Miss Hill and Miss Hill, you got skills, that's a gift, it's real, get ill, what you spit, got the power to uplift the hill, I wish I could talk to Lauren, I mean excuse me Miss Hill, and let her know how much we love her, it's real, the industry was beating her up, then them demons started eating her up, she need a savior that'll bleed in the cup, yup, we used to kick it in the salad days, but she look at me like she don't know me when she see me nowadays, I nod, you nod back, that's how it stay. You know, it's sort of the unspoken... You know, we're very respectful when, you know, right. Anita Baker, whatever. Yeah. Like, we're we're very respectful of, of these situations and whatnot. But I will say that having toured with her during the score era, mm-hmm. uh, having toured with her in the mis- miseducation era, and even with the MTV Unplugged era, like, we've been through each phase of her, that was the closest to a 1996 to 98 experience that I had. Like, she was, like, engaging and telling jokes. Remember my name? (laughs) And I don't mean that facetiously, but, I mean, it was just, like, you know, there was just a period where, you know, you didn't have access to her or speak to her. And this is a person that I would have, like, epic uh, balloon, water balloon fights with. Like, Lauren could have been a Navy SEAL. Like, the level of water (laughs) battles that we had between groups in the hotels and, you know, playing tag with water, guns, and all that stuff. Like, that's the type of kinship that we had. And so we took three months off just to do that tour. And, you know, we became friends and all that stuff. Um, Still professionally competitive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And just each night, man, like... Some other magic would just hatch open for them, and then suddenly they went from like co-headlining to headlining to cover Rolling Stone to yeah. Oh, now we Platinum. sold five million. Yeah, now exactly. we sold seven million. Yeah. Now we sold. Now we're in stadiums, and so I don't know that that lit a fire under my ass for the fourth quarter. Mm. And it was songs. It was for me instead of like fighting for my position instead of fighting for my position on this album i'm now thinking about fighting for my position in history so now i'm like okay i'm gonna put one foot in building quest love safe haven and my right foot still with the roots for those listening at home he literally positioned his feet one yes, place and the other place exactly theater of the mind right and so I will say that uh, April 1st, April 1st, 1996, Soul Train Awards weekend in L.A. One one year left for Biggie. And L.A. is already super heated. I mean, when I explain to people the, the amount of stress and duress that you could be in during the bad boy Death Row, East Death Coast. Row yeah. situation. Like, now I come to L.A. and it's like, 
I'm going to see my friends and have fun and not worry about if I'm rocking the wrong color or any of that stuff. But, you know, to go to a hotel and then tell you like, oh, well, you know, security brought out the first three floors and, you know, it's, there was never a feeling of safety. And you don't know what's about to pop. You know, you got to pick and choose wisely. Like, stop going to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles and you might go to Koreatown to get fried chicken there where you know none of your rap peers are going to be. You know, it's that level of watch your back. So April 1st, 1996, this is the show at the House of Blues in which we finally, after three years, really get to meet our peers. We had a little moment in 95 with like, an occasional far side, some Wu-Tang members, but we really never had a coming out party where it's like, you know, where it's like you're hugging left eye and you're meeting Montel Jordan and like people that you've been listening to for DJing for like all these years. I've yet to meet a Wu-Tang member. Never met no one from the West Coast. Never met Snoop. Like, this is that moment. And we're at the House of Blues and every celebrity is in attendance. And it's just like... All that rehearsal, like, and again, it's, it's love with them, but it's like, we're out for blood. We got to make an impression. And I'm glad you guys are blowing up and headlining because in my world, the penultimate position is the only position to do. Like never open the show, never headline the show. You want the position before the headliner, the penultimate and just that was where we could get our and we did hip hop one and four first and you know our sound was right we learned like how to do sound and the lights were and we murdered it but we get on stage and i'm looking right at the design of the house of blues and smack dab in the middle in front of a a, a spotlight on the left side there's an obscure tall ass head wrap that's at least three feet tall. And I see the to her left a very distinctive D'Angelo silhouette. Now, in 95, during the first week of recording, mixing with Bob Power, do you want more? That December of 93, he'd been trying to tell me that, yo, there's a life-changing singer that I'm working with and you guys would get along famously. And I was like, singer, uh, R&B, whatever. <laughs> and he came in. And I judged him. He, his his Tim's word, his chucks were like whatever. Not like I was like oh, a country bumpkin. <laughs> his hair was in a box, and you know I judged I I judged his gear. I was like corny, you know, like you one of these Jodeci guys, like <laughs> sing like boys to men with your arms outstretched, and you know I was just like corny, getting rained on. Right, and he came in, you know, I gave him a pound, but I was like whatever, whatever. And party people were leaving it right there for now, but tune in next week for the conclusion of Illadelph Half Life. Peace. Stony Island Audio.